All right, everybody. Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt, Sunday Golds. And this episode will be a season recap as Florida State's 2021 year comes to an end, a 7-4 to loss to the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Uh, USM got revenge on Florida State 7-4. to uh, Brett and I just wanted to give it a couple days um, for us to kind of process um, our thoughts on the year um, and to just kind of give it a few days before we came in and, and not only recap the regional as a whole, but also gave you a, a look ahead to next season and uh, put finishing touches on this one. I want to thank those of you who have listened all year. Um, we're pushing nearly, I think, 15,000 listens, which is incredible, Brett. Um, I know when we first started this, we couldn't have even imagined that 15,000 times somebody would, would want to listen to our, us two kind of talk about Florida State baseball. So it's been a really good run for year one. Yeah, it's been enjoyable. And, you know, we've loved being able to talk ball and, you know, enjoy that some people do care about our opinions. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a long year. It was had a lot of ups and downs to it. But, you know, it was always fun and always enjoyable to cover Florida State baseball. And, you know, I you know think we'll be back next year. We'll be back all summer. I think we'll still have pods. But, you know, still looking forward to doing this throughout, you know, the summer, fall and spring. And, um, you know, sucks to have the season come to an end. But, um, you know, it will be nice to have a little extra rest over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, man, and nobody covers this team uh, better than you do, and, and I really mean that, my friend. You've done a great job, and, you know, I've, I've been around this Florida State beat, and, and, you know, just growing up in Tallahassee, I've seen a lot of coverage of FSU baseball, and no one's come close to, to what you've been able to provide. So a hat tip to you. I know everyone listening uh, very much appreciates what you do at Tomahawk Nation, and I know the, I know the program appreciates it. I know the players appreciate it. Um, and I think they're all excited to hopefully have you back doing it again next season at that high level uh, that you've been able to provide. But um, before we talk even more about FSU baseball, Brad, I think we need to shout out uh, the softball program. I know their season just came to an end today as well. Um, one game shy of a, a national championship and um, they fall to Oklahoma. We're recording this on Thursday and uh, they took game one. Then OU came back and won game two. But that's an all time great. Oklahoma Sooners team that lineup is not fair what what the Sooners put out there and for Florida State to have been what six outs away from from a national championship in game two um, what a job Lonnie Alameda did this is uh we should spend a few minutes talking about them because they were incredible all year especially in the postseason yeah they're just winners I mean they're warriors I mean they got a lot of beasts on that team and you know they're really fun to watch I think and like you said, that Oklahoma team, it's, it's just ridiculous to look at their numbers sometimes and to think Florida State, you know, was six ounce away, six ounce away at one point. And, um, I mean, they got even when you're hitting over 400 as a team and you've only lost three or four games in a year, it's going to be tough to overcome that. And, you know, that Florida State team wasn't supposed to get to that point. And for them to push that historical Oklahoma team to the brink, I mean, that's an accomplishment uh, within itself. And, obviously, you know, they're probably hurting right now. But... I think whenever you'll be able to look back at that season, you'll be able to, you know, you know, be proud of it and how how you finished throughout. Forty nine, thirteen, and one—the record for Lonnie Alameda's group. Ah, oh, man. Um, and a shout out to you know if 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 that's the final game for for Sydney Sherrill in a Seminole uniform. Big shout out to her. The seniors, obviously, the the red shirt seniors that came back, the super seniors, Cassidy Davis and uh, Danny Morgan, uh, Annie Shellnut. Uh, Anna Shellnut, excuse me, um, Lizzie Mason. I think you know she's a true senior, but I, you know I, I think a lot of these players are gonna are gonna say goodbye. And um, Kaylin Arnold as well deserves a shout out. There's I could go through the entire list of of players 
Uh, they've had incredible careers at Florida State. They, you know, most of those names have won a national title on that 2018 team. And um, what an opportunity, too, for some of the younger players. I think we just found a, a couple of stars show up this year um, with Kaylee Harding and, of course, what um, Kaylee Mudge was able to provide in the postseason and in, in Oklahoma City. So lots to look forward to if you're a Florida State softball fan. Matter of fact, Brett and I have talked about it. Um, we hope that's something we can expand a little bit more into next year is, is that softball program. And um, Lonnie Alameda has always been so great. That entire staff and program is, is awesome. So uh, maybe keep an eye out for that. But um, shout out to them. They finished second in the country. Nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, a lot to be proud of, a matter of fact. So uh, the fellas, 31 and 24. Um, tough. You know, the season, I know the record, probably not what you would want to see uh, overall. Um, they fall seven to four to Southern Miss and Brett, it just felt like, you know, in that game, Connor, Connor Grady was, was really good for six and a third innings. I think he gave up five hits, four earned runs, a walk and six strikeouts on 91 pitches. And, and really until that seventh inning, Connor was giving you the type of start that you knew you could get out of him, um, more than just solid. He was spectacular at times. And unfortunately he gave up a couple of home runs that, that ended up tying the game. Yeah, I mean, I thought Connor was really good, and the stat line will never show how good he was that game. I mean, he was efficient. He was pounding the strike zone. Um, you know, it's just, you know, when, you're, when you have Connor stuff and you work off the off speed so much, you know, you're going to hang a few, um, you know, when you throw it that much. And I didn't, think he, I didn't think he was fastball early, but, you know, found it later on. When you throw the slider that much and change up that much, um, you're bound to hang a few. And just Southern Miss took advantage, and, capitalized on that on that and you know Florida State got up early but wasn't really able to expand on it and you know Auk Ryan Auk really I mean just completely changed that game and the momentum of it and um, yeah I mean they just they played a solid game and Florida State just struggled to respond but like you said I thought Connor was really good and I thought he gave you everything you could have asked for and um, you know a couple of the balls just you know got lost on him I thought and you know and thought the ball was really flying flying at Oxford this week. Yeah, it really was. And Brett, you know what? Four to one after the third inning. You felt good about it. Florida State put up that three spot. Um, Robbie Martin, really good in this game. It was good to see him get his swing off a couple times. Matt Nelson was really good. Uh, Logan Lacey, third home run of the weekend. And I know you and I, I don't want to say we started looking ahead to what would be a potential rematch between the Knowles and, and the Rebels, but you felt like, you know, a three-run lead. All right, FSU's pitch. The way Connor was pitching, the way you have your bullpen still available – you felt good about it, right, and the way that the Knowles were, were playing. But give Southern Miss credit. You know, they battled back, hit a couple of home runs, and then um, really in that eighth inning, um, the floodgate – not the floodgates, but they really kind of put it away uh, against FSU and um, against Ryan Ock, who was – oh, my gosh, he was incredible. As good as Doug Nikhazy was against Florida State the night before, Ryan Ock was as, at least as good. And um, four and two-thirds, a hit, no runs, two walks, 11 strikeouts – you really felt like the offense was probably done, you know, doing damage in that game, and they were just trying to hold on um, via the pitching staff. And unfortunately, there in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, uh, Florida State ended up giving up, I believe, four runs to to lose seven to four. Yeah, and I mean, Auk was just obviously had no answer for him, and I think a large part of that had to do with you know the change in styles between the starter and and, and himself and. You know, the starters mostly working on off, off, off speed and, you know, pretty slow. Um, you know, Ock comes in there and he's basically just giving you fastball after fastball from a weird angle, from a funky delivery. 
Um, and it just kind of, you know, has that spin rate, jumps on you, you know, gets some movement on it too with some ride in life. And they just struggle getting on top of it. You know, a lot of swings underneath the ball, a lot of swings um, that came late. I mean, they even said after the game that, you know, they felt like they were just going to get heavy fastball. They just, they couldn't get to it. They couldn't pick it up. And, you know, it's just how it goes sometimes. And obviously this team the last two days kind of, showed that boomer bust of what they really are. They're going to strike out a lot, but, you know, they're also going to get their home runs. But, I mean, yeah, they just had no answer for Auk. Um, You know, anything, it just felt like they were putting the ball wherever they wanted and um, it found the grass in the outfield. Just not many hard-hit balls in the eighth inning. But, you know, that's just how the game goes sometimes. And when you put the ball in play, good things happen. And I think that's what they showed. And, you know, Florida State couldn't put the ball in play as much. So um, you're not going to get that ball luck. But, um, you know, I just thought Southern Miss out-executed out them, and, you know, that's kind of what we talked about where, you know, the margin is going to be small, but if you execute, you should be fine. And if you don't, if you make you, you walk some people, you make some errors in the field, then um, you're going to struggle to put some teams away. And the game kind of reminded me of, you know, a reverse of the of the first game between Florida State and Southern Miss. You know, the Knowles got out to a, a big lead in this uh, a lead in this one I should say not a big lead a three run leads nothing really to to be feeling great about um, but game one Southern Miss you know kind of had that that couple run lead and Florida State was the one who came back and and then threw the the final knockout blow to to give them some give themselves some insurance and and I thought Southern Miss kind of flipped the script on Florida State in this one unfortunately the season came to an end um, the bullpen um, wasn't as as good. Um, as it has been um, recently, um, Purdue really kind of struggled with his command. It felt like um, Jack came in, and Jack just didn't have the the same level of composure that we normally see out of him. Uh, that being said, though, I thought Southern Miss also got some some really lucky bounces there. A couple of blue pits, a, a soft single through the right side. Um, the error by, by Jack Anderson um, allowed another run to score. Um, tough. I mean, it was tough. I th- you kind of you kind of saw the season coming to an end there. <laughs> it was like one of those where when when Southern Miss took the lead at 6 to 4, you're thinking if some something's got to happen, but Florida State's offense, I think what? They had did they have any hits after the like the third inning? Maybe one? Nelly hit Ock, I think. Yeah, I think Matt Nelson almost homered off Ock. He had that that double that like one hopped the wall and left. Um but really, the Knolls had only a handful of base runners, maybe like three base runners the rest of the game after like the third inning. So you really were hoping that the pitching staff would, would lock it down. But tough, Brett. I mean, it's it's always tough for a season to come to a close. Um, Southern Miss rode the the momentum into forcing a game seven against Ole Miss. They, they won that game late Sunday night. Um, and then so, and then Ole Miss just had a little bit too much offense, had, had more offense than Southern Miss had on Monday. Yeah, that Southern Miss offense, it seemed like, you know, it clicked itself back into gear when it when it played Southeast Missouri, um, you know, that game after they lost to Florida State the first time. And, you know, they scored 21 there. You start to feel good about yourself. Um, you get some good swings off against Florida State, and then you really put it together against Ole Miss. And, you know, even though they lost game seven, they still put it together there too. I mean, coming into that game, um, I mean, there's offense that was struggling and, you know, striking out a lot. But, um, you know, that's just how the game goes. You see a couple hits drop, and, you know, hitting's contagious, and Florida State couldn't get those hits to drop. They couldn't put the ball in play enough to have a turnaround like that for themselves. Um, but, I mean, that Southern Miss team, that's a good baseball team. Like we said, 
Uh, you know, they're they're a team that could have been a one seed, you know, likely is a one seed if they put some games away in their conference tournament. Uh, so, I mean, it's no slouch that your season ends to. But, you know, I mean, the thing that just hurts the most is you really feel like, you know, you're you're a player two away and, you know, in your second game from, you know, maybe going three and oh in the week. Uh, and instead, I mean, you're going home. But I mean, it is what it is. Um, I think you you, you kind of knew what this team was and you knew that that was the possibility that one mistake could really, you know, end it all for them with their thin margin of error. And I mean, here we are now and, you know, Ole Miss is playing on and I think Ole Miss is overall the best team from that regional and you know we'll see what they can do in Arizona this weekend yeah it'll be Arizona and Ole Miss from Tucson Brett I do want to touch a little bit on um, before we talk overall season themes and um, just things to look forward to I guess for for next season as well Um, you mentioned the razor thin margin for error I mean that's that's what this team really had there was a path to victory Uh, I think that path became much clearer as the year went along and I saw you on Twitter, you know, you, you commenting with some fans and having a discussion. Um, a lot of fans who were frustrated, a lot of fans who, none of you who are listening to this podcast, but there's a lot of fans who were paying attention to Florida State baseball probably for the first time all year, or, or at least paying attention for nine innings um, and not just a, a, a glance here or there. Because just the way the tournament works, it, it heightens attention, obviously. Um, games are more nationally televised and available in, in all markets and on all cable providers. Um, but you talked about that, right? Uh, that this team had a way that it had to win. It did not have multiple ways that it could really beat you. Um, and just talk about that throughout the weekend. Um, kind of just what you observed from, from how Florida State had to play. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they showed in each game that there was a path to win each game. Um, if they had executed, I mean, if you don't make errors in that first game, you probably win by a lot more. If you, don't make errors in that second game, you win that game. Um, you know, if you don't walk people and you don't make errors in, in that third game, then I think you win that game too. Um, you know, in Florida State, you're right there with some of the best teams in, in one of the best regionals in the country. And, um, you know, that power, it gives you a chance to quick strike all of a sudden. And, you know, you're behind for a lot of the game. It's not pretty, but, you know, all of a sudden two home runs and you have a lead. I mean, Florida State had a home run in each game. Obviously, Lazy had a home run in each game. You know, Nelly gets himself one. Eliza gets himself one. Um, you know, even Isaiah Perry gets himself one. But, I mean, yeah, there was definitely a, a way for this team to win. It's that pitching. It's the the power they had. But, you know, that defense, like you said, at the start of the year, you felt like if it was at 970 that they could make it to Omaha. Um, you know, I think this weekend pushed them below that 970 mark. And, um, you know, was not a best time for, you know, a Jackson Green to have a tough, you know, defensive weekend and some other guys to, you know, not play their best defensively. But, I mean, this is not going to be what this team is made of, you know, moving forward. I don't think this was just, you know, what they had to be this year. I mean, Meat had said coming into the year that, you know, there is going to be swing and miss in their lineup, but there's also going to be a whole lot of power. And we feel like we're going to be in games because of our pitching. And we're gonna, we feel like we're going to be able to capitalize on some of those small deficits with power. And, I mean, you saw that a lot. This team was able to come back a lot. This team was able to, um, you know, string together home runs, not as many hits as you want, but they were able to string together home runs with big innings. And, um, you know, it wasn't really a team that was going to string a bunch of innings together with runs, but it was going to give you, you know, a crooked number, you know, twice a game, and, you know, that's all you needed. I mean, this team still ended up, you know, top in the ACC in walks, 
top 20 in the country in homers. I mean, fourth in the ACC in runs. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people said the offense is pathetic. It wasn't pretty, you know, last week, but you look at the whole season. I mean, you score eight plus runs, and I believe it was 37% of games. Um, you know, it was a good enough offense. It just didn't show up enough, um, and you didn't make enough defensive plays for it to, um, you know, ex- you just didn't execute enough for it to, you know, take away from the strikeouts and, you know, other things like that. Yeah, you know, I think when I look back at it, fundamentally, they just leave a lot to be desired. And I know that's something that Meet's going to continue to work on. Uh, I mean, you, you go to near every practice in the fall. Uh, you know, I've been to uh, quite a few, and, you know, they do they do beat into their heads the fundamentals. Meet's definitely spending time on it. But, like, how many times did we just, you know, def- defense lets you down, a cutoff man's missed. Numerous times this weekend, a cutoff man was missed and allowed another runner to advance. Um Florida State really didn't have the ability to play station to station at times. Um, it was just – they really relied on boomer bust, right? Like they really relied on some talented bats to, to leave the park. Um, and give them credit because obviously they won 31 games um, in a limited schedule, in a limited season. So they found answers more times than they didn't. I think, Brett, too, when you look back at it, we just talked about the lineup a lot and the defense, you've got to tip your cap to the pitching staff. They they kept you in it. They kept you in it a lot. And, I mean, Team ERA ends at 3-4-5. That is really impressive. Um, and all weekend, Parker Messick, Bryce Hubbard, and Connor Grady, they gave you really, really good starts, and they, and they lasted deep into games. Um, and then the bullpen, more times than not, you could rely on them when they came in, too. So, um yeah, I think that pitching staff something to, to really build on going into next year. Yeah, I know we're going to talk in the future more, but I mean, just I mean, I'll just say I, I think this pitching staff it's it's just now starting to show you what they can be with Jimmy Bellinger here, and um, you know with what Meat wants to do and what Coach Metcalf wants to do. I mean, these these guys have a plan in place for their pitching staff to be, you know, that top tier in the ACC and to have power and have a lot of different options, and it's just going to keep getting better and. You know, you tipped your cap. To that. I was gonna, I was gonna tip my cap to you know meet a little bit with these, you know, with what they had in the lineup this year and guys struggling. I mean, they they pushed a lot of buttons right. A lot, I thought. I mean, plugging in Isaiah, he hits a homer. You know, Dylan a couple times did well. When I plugged in Davis at one point, he did well. Parker at one point. I mean, there were a lot of different times where meet pulled the right but pushed the right buttons. Um, you know, it was just a struggle a lot this year to find the right answers long term. Um, but they were able to provide themselves with sparks a couple different times. So, um, you know, once they get, you know, enough depth to not have to do that that as much, you're going to see them, you know, be able to put together a better one through nine and, um, you know, not have to do that as much. But when they had to do that this year, I thought that was something that they showed that, you know, they can make some right decisions and find the right matchups uh, to give themselves success. Can I give you a stat? And this is a, both a credit and also kind of painful at the same time for the pitching staff. 24 losses, 19 of them were by three runs or less. Like, <laughs> that percentage is like nearly like 80. Like, uh, that's, that's, that's something. Um, and yeah, like so said, I mean, it's the pitching not a, staff kept you in it. Like, yeah, that's I mean, the thing. That just shows you that it's not a pathetic baseball team, like some people say it is. But the only people who said that, I think, were the people who tuned in. It's a. It was a for the regional. It was a. I thought it was a good team. That was a frustrating team, just because of what it could have been, 
with some more health, with some more luck, and just with a little more execution. I, it, it wouldn't have taken much for this team to have, you know, a much better result, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, and so the week, the weekend, you know, the Knolls go one and two. They kind of finish where you were supposed to in that regional. If you want to, you know, throw it up to chalk, you know, the Knolls finished third, and they were the three seed. And Southern Miss finished second, and Ole Miss won the regional. Um, but, you know, Brett and I stayed for that Sunday night game, and then we monitored Monday's game as we were driving back home from Oxford. I um, mean, we really both felt like FSC would have been in an excellent position had they could have just won that Saturday night game. Um, against Ole Miss because FSU's pitching staff was in just such a better position going forward. And Ole Miss and Southern Miss really didn't have many arms left um, to throw. <laughs> Can we talk about Ole Miss throwing Doug Nikhazy on one day's rest? How did that 120 go for, how, pitches on how his How did that arm? go for him? Like, give me a break, man. You're telling me you don't have anybody else that can throw, you get you one out or a couple innings. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And Southern Miss threw their Friday guy, too. I mean, they threw their Saturday guy as well, I think. I mean, the, I, I just, I sometimes with these coaches, it's just like, are you like, is it really worth it that much? Um, you know, Nikhazy's going to be a guy that's a top five round pick. I mean, is it worth it? Like, is it really that worth it? Is it, I mean, that was a five run game, too, at that point that they threw him. So, he gave up back to back homers and they pulled him. You were, you were dead asleep in the car. <laughs> you were dead asleep in the car when they brought him in. And I said, no way. No way. I said it. You woke up and you're like, yeah, you're lying. I mean, it's just, it was crazy. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I said, there's got to, this has got to be a typo or something. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. Yeah, he was not good against Southern Miss when he came back out. So um, that's a, that was a bad decision by Ole Miss, but they, they end up winning the regional. They go to Arizona. Uh, Brett, uh, let's talk a, a little bit about just things that impressed you this season. Anybody who surprised you, um, positives moving into next year, and maybe some, some things that you were um, disappointed to see and, and things that you were hoping to see that, that you did not? Um, I mean, there was a lot about this team that I think we thought coming in would be the thing, you know, the struggle with defensively and, you know, the swing and miss, um, you know, obviously I think disappointment is just, you know, more for the kid and it's just for, I mean, for Reese Albert and, you know, not getting a full season this year and struggling the way he did when he came out. And, um, you know, I don't think people realize how much of a difference that made on this team. You know, Reese, you know, wasn't really around the team as much as he wanted to be and, um, you know, dealing with rehab and stuff. And, you know, defensively, Reese was just so much better of an option than anybody else they had. And, you know, the thing about Reese was you always had that, the threat of his power. And, you know, even when he wasn't going well, he still was going to give you double-digit home runs, I think. And, um, you know, like I said, just hate it for the kid. You know, bleeds Garner and gold. You know, played through whatever he could for Florida State a couple of years ago. Um, you know, loses his junior year, loses his leverage a little bit for the draft. So, um, you know, really hoping for, you know, some more fortunes for Reese coming up. But, um, I mean, just another disappointment is you never really found a DH. You just never found a, a constant, you know, um, answer there. And, and that's a little bit of that, those depth issues. And, you know, I thought the depth would be a little bit better this year. And it's just, you know, some of that has to do with injuries. Some of that has to do with guys just, you know, not performing as well as they did. Um, you know, pitching-wise, I just thought, you know, there's some guys you could have got a little more out of. I thought you could have got a little more out of Tyler Ahern, um, you know, Hunter Purdue. I don't think they really used – I don't believe Tyler Ahern threw in the regional. Um, you know, we didn't end up seeing much of B-Walk until the very end of the year. Uh, you know, Hunter Purdue, I don't think you're going to see him back. And, you know, you didn't get a ton out of him. You didn't throw him a bunch of innings. You know, when he did throw for you in the regionals, he struggled a bit with that command. And, 
you know, coming off Tommy John surgery, I just never felt like he got a full feel back for his stuff in this season. And, you know, that's something that guys struggle with coming off of that. So it's not a huge surprise, but, you know, not getting to ever see a full on Hunter Purdue, you know, it's just a little bit of a disappointment and, you know, what he could have been coming out of Juco because that, that was a top three round guy before his, you know, Tommy John surgery. But I mean, overall, I mean, you know, I thought for the most part, we got what we Thought we were getting, um, you know, injuries kind of hurt a little bit, like Doug Kirkland as well. That's probably your closer, I think, if he doesn't get injured before the year. But um, I think those would be my disappointments. I, I can't think of a bunch of other off the top of my head. Yeah, you know, I think Reese was the, was the big one. Just, you know, you hate it for him and his family. And, you know, he's been waiting a long time to just kind of have that breakout season for FSU after all his injuries. And, uh, you know, it just ends with another injury, you know, with the knee. So... I'm not sure what he's going to decide to do this offseason, whether he decides to try and give it a crack at pro ball or, or come back. I know he's still el- – he's got eligibility left. Um, but just disappointing, I know. You know, he could have added to, to what this team's identity ended up being, right, with the home runs. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing um, what FSU does next year because they are going to have probably a different type of lineup. I know you and I have touched on that. Um, and then we'll get into that here in a minute. But, you know, positives for me, too. Um, Matthew Nelson, seeing him kind of have the year that he did, um, taking that next step forward, right, um, becoming a Golden Spikes Award. Probably he's going to be a finalist for it, in my opinion. Um, at least he should be. Uh, the the excellence that he, he provided at catcher. Seeing Logan Lacey the end of the year really turn it on. Um, he was he was, a, he was a good player for most of the year and then late in the year. Um, I thought he became one of your most important and crucial pieces. Uh, the development of Parker as a Friday night ace, I thought was a positive. Bryce Hubbard was a major positive for me. Um, and then just seeing a couple of bullpen arms, uh, I thought that was going to be uh, a major positive too. Um, there, there are some kids in there that we'll talk about that next year can can take a step forward. Uh, I know disappointments. We talked about Nander, uh, excuse me, uh, of, of – uh, Reese, but Nander was a disappointment for me as well, just because it just felt like, you know, both of us were optimistic that he would have a a really strong season, that he had, you know, he said all the right things, and people around him were saying all the right things, and and in practice, he looked, he looked different, right? Like, he looked steady and collected, and he tapped into some home runs. I think he had seven there about halfway through the season, and and you really felt like, all right, well, this is the best version of Nander to say it as the top 10 recruit that, that we were hoping to get. And I just thought as the season went along, he, he just, I don't know, his performance just really dropped off. Um, Carson Montgomery, for me, was a disappointment. I, I have to say that, I think, fairly. Um, and not because, you know, I thought he was terrible or anything. He wasn't. He was. He had some really great moments. I just think what we thought we were getting in the offseason, you thought you had a Sunday. I mean, they tried him out as the Sunday guy at first, right? Like you thought that's a weekend arm, premier talent, and it would have been nice to have a Carson Montgomery kind of pitching to that level that we all envisioned late in the year. Um, And unfortunately, Carson ended up not being really even an option for FSU towards the end of the year. So um, that's not saying anything on what he could become or what I think he will become, because I I believe Carson Montgomery will be a first-team All-ACC player in his career, and I think he's going to be a very high draft pick. It's just I thought this season um, I was getting, and I was hyping him up in the offseason, like you guys can't believe what you're about to see at a Carson Montgomery. And um, we saw flashes against Florida, against UCF. We saw what he could do against some pretty good lineups. Um, in the end, though, there just wasn't consistency. Um, so those were those were maybe my biggest disappointments. Um, other ones, maybe Cooper Swanson 
kind of not being on the team about halfway through the year. I thought Cooper was going to be an option. You know, you mentioned DH not really ever settling in on one. I thought in the offseason that Cooper was going to be uh, a pretty good option there with the power that he had in his bat and the athleticism that he presents. Um, and then you mentioned Dylan Simmons. Uh, I hate it for him because in the fall and in the early spring, he looked unstoppable. Um, and, and you know what? Maybe he just needs another year of, of, of every day at bats, and, and that could be what triggers him um, to, to tap into the talent that he has. But, yeah, I think positives and negatives kind of just went through it there. Eric, I, I was just going to – You got anything? I was going to add Nander and, and Carson as well before you mentioned them as a couple negatives. Um, you know, Nander was hit list for all of postseason play, um, ACC tournament and regional. Um, you know, struggled defensively as well from, I think, from – like the end of April to the very end of the season, his average dropped about 40 points. Um, I don't think he, I think he only had one multi hit game in like the last 20 games. Um, it felt like that Georgia tech weekend was kind of the time where he figured it out. And then from there on out, it was just, uh, really a struggle for him. And I don't know really what happened from, you know, that Georgia tech weekend where he looked dominant to the rest of the season. But after that, it was just, you weren't going to get much from him. Um, you know, Carson, like you said, we expected him to be, we expected him to be a top guy. And I, I, you know, I thought that, and we saw it in the post in the preseason and, you know, every time he threw the ball in preseason, it was electric. And, you know, like you said, I, I, we'll talk about it more for the future stuff, but you know, it's, that's not a a negative long-term for me. Uh, they'll figure it out there, I think. And, um, you know, big positive for me was Bryce Hubbard and the way he threw the ball this year, like you said. Um, you know, always knew Bryce had this in him, but to see him take that step right away this year, I mean, it, it's a it's a huge thing for Florida State. It's a huge thing for Bryce. Um, you know, he's a top-level arm. I mean, 208, 208 average against this year. Command was really in control this season, I thought. Um, you know, that that step, that, that, that shows you right there what Jimmy Bellinger can do, um, you know, when he's got guys for a couple years underneath his, you know, reign and letting him do things the way he likes to do them and, work with kids the way he works with kids. Um, you know, Nelly, obviously, is a positive. Um, you know, you couldn't be happier for a kid that, you know, bleeds garden and gold. And Lacey, like you said, a Tallahassee kid, to see him hit the way he did. I thought Elijah Cabell was a positive. Obviously, the Ks were still there. But, you know, you get an OPS at right around 1,000. I mean, you got to take that. And you, you, you like what he gave you this year. Um yeah, I thought Connor Grady Parker, like you said, the whole weekend rotation is just a positive. And, you know, Connor Grady is just, I mean, he was really good for you this year. I mean, 405 ERA, but I thought he gave you a chance in almost every single one of his starts this season. Yeah, you know, I think, too, one of the things we have to mention um, for Bryce Hubbard, Brett, is that he never really got a chance to pitch in the environment that he saw at Ole Miss, I think that's only going to be a beneficial thing for him. Um, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I got, I think that Hubbard, you know, Messick's Messick, right? And, and Parker's going to be that stud um, next year. But Bryce Hubbard's going to push to be kind of like a one A one B kind of guy on a Saturday, um, and getting to do that against Ole Miss um, in front of what eleven thousand people against that lineup on that stage with what it meant to have to pitch well in that you know, in that arena, um, that's huge for Bryce. Because you got to think about it. This year, we really didn't, we really didn't get a chance to to play in front of many big crowds. Like, 
nobody really got that opportunity until really regional time. So for Bryce, a guy that we've talked about, his mentality is key. You know, his approach mentally is is the key to, to unlocking his talent and the raw stuff that he possesses. For him to have been able to put it together, really that first inning, it, it didn't go his way. Um, but for him to have that experience, for a lot of these kids to have that experience, I think is only going to be beneficial for them going forward. I'm going to add one more positive, and people may not like it, but I thought Meat's progression as an in-game coach this year took step forwards, and I thought there was obvious better management as the season went on and the management of the bullpen. Uh, I didn't think he – you know, I thought for the most part he pulled the right strings in in Oxford, and, you know, it didn't work out for them, but a lot of that's just got to do with the execution on the field. I thought they were doing the right things coaching-wise, and, um, you know, the recruiting is still getting better and better, and I just just think, you know, Meat's – you know, his whole success, I think, is going to depend on how he develops himself as an in-game manager. I mean, off the, I mean, when it comes to him just as a baseball coach and, you know, knowing the game and what he wants to do and what he wants to – kind of players he wants to get in, I mean, that's all good. And, you know, last year I thought the only struggles were in-game. Um, and this year as the year went on, I thought there was progression there. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that too. I, I thought meet as an in-game coach – Definitely showed some some positives um, going forward. Um, I do want to ask you because we both got you know tweets and comments asking us these questions, and I know there were some other people on the FSU beat um, in the media kind of questioning. Um, you and I probably have the same answer on this, and we're in agreement. But what did you think of Connor Grady getting to go back out there for the seventh? Um, again, we're we're both going to have the same answer on this, but I did want you to address it on this podcast because we were all you know. We had comments sent our way. I thought there was no question about it. I would have questioned me if he didn't send him back out there. Um, Connor's your guy. Um, I don't think it has to do with saving innings. It didn't have to do with, you know, the next game. It wasn't like they were looking ahead of themselves. Um, you know, Connor was throwing the ball well. Connor was throwing the ball efficiently. And, you know, Connor's built for those moments. And he's, you know, he's not the number one guy in that staff, but Connor's the leader in that staff. And, um, you know, to me, it wasn't, you know, any sort of a gamble. It was just, you know, we're going to go with our guy. We're going to take our chance with our guy. And I mean, he was only at 86 or so pitches. So, I mean, he's as fresh as he gets. And, um, you know, that's, I, you do that a hundred out of a hundred times, I think no question about it. I'm going to agree with you there. I do think, however, that you are thinking ahead as well, like to the next game, because you're planning an entire regional. Once you lose one of those first two games, any coach who tells you that I'm not worried about, you know, game three or four or five is lying to you because you have to win more than one game to win the regional. And for Florida State, um, you nail it, right? Connor's at 86 pitches. He's pitching really well. Um, you've, you, you have to send him back out there. You, you want to save Jack Anderson and Clayton Kwiatkowski and Hunter Purdue if you can – for what will be a, a very short turnaround. What was it between Southern Miss and Ole Miss? Like 45 minutes? I think they played another game right after the end of FSU Southern Miss. So if you can get seven out of Connor, who was pitching well and was under a pitch count um, and, 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 and in good shape there, you're absolutely taking it. And I thought he, I thought he did the right thing. Connor was out there doing what he was supposed to do. Uh, unfortunately, it was an 0-2 pitch, you know, and then the, uh, I think it was a two-strike pitch that he gave up on the home run um, to tie it. So... Nothing against it. I thought Connor was great. I, I thought the stat line was going to, you know, the way it looked is, ha- is harsh because he pitched really well. Only five hits. We've seen Connor give up seven hits and, and come away with a win and, and give up no runs. So 
it was that kind of day. Just didn't go Florida State's way. But I did want to did want to touch on that, Brett, just because we both got questions about it. So um, I do know we have a we had a Twitter question. Do you want to go ahead and, and answer that one now? Yeah. So it says um, from Teddy Welch. Um, I think it was re- he says I think it was referenced on this pod how Meat wanted to play like the Rays. Um, but while while the pitching took a major leap forward, the defense didn't. Do you expect Meat to do things differently when it comes to defense, whether it's valuing it more in recruiting, changing how they practice, et cetera? Um, for me, is I mean, they from being out there, I mean, that was their number one emphasis the whole fall and their whole spring. Um, you know, it was pitching. I mean, defense was first, but it was defense, pitching, and base running. Um, those were the emphasis um, coming in, and I mean, they take a ton of time every day on ground balls. They do cutoffs. Um, you know, it's just got to do with the talent that's on the field, I think. And you know, it is going to be valued more going forward. I think the first step is just you've got to get athletes. You've got to get guys that cover ground. You've got to get guys that um, you know, even when they you know make a misstep, you can still make up for it. Uh, I think Florida State this year was was slow in the outfield. They were. Um, you know, didn't cover a ton of the ground on the infield. You know, I thought, you know, Jackson Green, you know, really good defensively and, you know, covers a ton of ground. But, you know, first base, you know, Tyler's not really um, – I mean, he struggled at first base some. And, you know, Nander obviously struggled at shortstop. But, you know, overall, it's just it's just got to get more athletic, more light, light on the feet. And I think that's your first step. And, you know, it doesn't have to do with a lack of it being coached. It's just got to do with a lack of – you know, athleticism and talent defensively, I think. Yeah, you know, I think you're also just in year two under Mike Martin Jr. You're really in year one officially. Um, Well, not officially, but at least in terms of without an asterisk. And even this season has an asterisk. Everything about it was different. Uh, I think next year is really, you know, the first true season that you can start to judge Mike Martin Jr. on on what kind of style he wants to play. Um, he's starting to, you know, recruiting cycles are important and getting your kids in and, and getting the waves of kids that you want in um, that, you know, your main staff that you've assembled has recruited, right? So, And even this year, I thought they took a major step forward from just last year defensively because they were really bad last year in the shortened season. Yeah. And they and, you know, in the start of the season, it was they had a pretty consistent defensive team. It was just end of the year, they didn't make the timely play. Well, I know you and I have also talked about it, and a lot of Florida State baseball fans know this, but, like, one of the main, you know, criticisms of, of 11, of, his, of, of Meat's dad, was that a lot of times Florida State really didn't have um, complete, well-rounded baseball players. You know, that like, they had, they had kids that were really good at one thing, but then you would have to figure out where to put them in the field. So, like, you had great hitters who had patient approaches at the plate. They fit Florida State's M.O., but then you're basically trying to, to fit people in at positions that they're not comfortable playing and just kind of getting them into the lineup. And I know that's something Meat wants to change is, is trying to get the, the overall well-rounded player. And that happens, what, through scouting, right? Like that's through recruiting, through having Metcalf who can kind of see these projectability kids. Um, and, and hopefully the hope is that in a year or two or maybe three, you start to get the kid that's really good at the plate is athletic and also has a true position. Like he plays, this kid plays shortstop or second. We're not filling in someone at first or corner outfield or taking a corner outfielder and making him play center field or who's a, who's a true third baseman. Like you're trying to figure all this stuff out. Um, and I know in the past Florida States at times, 
their defense has struggled because they haven't had true position players um, that are playing natural positions. But I'm hoping, and I think the case is that Florida State is making strides in, in trying to amend that. I also think another thing, though, obviously you do want guys that are natural at their position, but I think another thing is in recruiting, getting guys that are versatile for you, that you can bring them in and, you know, they can know how to play outfield and infield, and once they get here, you can make a decision on which one they're better at. And in times, if you're in a dire need, you can put them somewhere else. But, you know, you, you want to have options when kids get here. You don't want to, you know, say, you know, you, you can't play this position because you're not athletic enough, so now we're going to have to move you somewhere else. Um, you know, you just got to have guys that can do a lot of things. And, you know, there are a lot of guys like that, like that. And, you know, these come upcoming recruiting classes, I think, and you're going to see a lot more guys that can just do a lot of different things and, you know, not just be, you know, in their one spot and, you know, just, it's just going to be a lot, I think, you know, a lot more options for the coaching staff moving forward on what they can do with kids when they get to campus. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the future and what we can expect. Uh, I know on the surface, it just feels like Florida State's going to have a lot of turnover from this roster. You're going to say goodbye to a, a lot of key names. Um, I think chief among them, you know, outside of the seniors, uh, Matt Nelson, I think you can kind of wish him well. Um, and then that's going to be an awesome moment for him and his family is, is when he does get drafted and um, hopefully he gets paid the signing bonus that, that he wishes and um, he can negotiate something to, to, to what he likes. But that's a big piece I think that you're losing. If he came back, I think it'd be a major shock um, for everyone. Um, other guys, you know, Robbie Martin's probably going to get drafted um, pretty highly. He's He was a top 100, top 150 guy in the draft. Um, Cabell, you know, that's that's another guy who you're probably losing. Um, Brett, I'll let you take over this, really, because you're more in touch with with the projectability and the draftable kids. I know you and I had talked about Logan Lacey, too, having turned it on late in the year. Um, that's another name that, that you could possibly lose. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, really I think Tyler Martin's the only guy in this one through nine. And, you know, everyday guy that, that you think for – that you know that I think for sure is coming back. Um, you know, Dylan Simmons wouldn't be another guy for me. Just, you know, don't think of him as an everyday starter from this year. I and mean, I guess there really wasn't an everyday starter at DH. But, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of turnover. It's going to be a very different roster next year. It's going to be a very different look. Um, it's going to be a different, you know, sort of style of offense, I think. Um, you know, looking through the roster, you know, we've gone it through, to, through it together a little bit. There's really only about 15 guys you can look at it and say, yeah, they'll be back here next year. Um, you know, outside of that, when it comes to, you know, the draft, signing undrafted, guys that have graduated, guys that will move on, guys that will transfer, um, there's going to be a lot of new faces. There's going to be a lot of guys that aren't returning. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of new faces in the bullpen, I think. A lot of these bullpen arms for Florida State are, are guys that can get drafted or sign undrafted for some good money. Um, you know, Purdue, like I mentioned, um, I think Tyler Ahern, uh, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, Jack Anderson's probably going to be drafted as well. Um, you know, there's just a lot of guys here that, that have a chance. You know, Connor Grady will probably be drafted. Um, you know, Clayton's going to be gone. He's, he's, he's got, he was that super senior and I think he's got a chance to, you know, make some money in pro ball. Um, you know, it's just going to look a lot, lot different and that's not necessarily a terrible thing. Um, you know, you are going to lose basically all your production offensively, but you know, there are names that can come in here and, you know, do some things. And I think, 
Um, we shouldn't rule out the fact that Florida State could, could look to go in the transfer portal a bit um, and get some guys. I mean, I think there's over 1,200 guys in the transfer portal right now. Um, so if they have a major need there, I think that's another thing they could do. Um, but like like you said, I mean, Cabell, um, obviously Nelson, you know, Robbie, I mean, all these guys are, are going to be are going to be drafted, I think. And I think you're going to see um, a brand-new middle infield. I think you'll see um, – you know, my thing with Logan Lacey is just he's played so well the last few weeks, and there's been so many scouts at all these games. And, you know, he's probably been an under-the-radar guy for a while. And, I mean, but if you look at Logan Lacey and the intangibles, the way he plays the game, the things he can do in the weight room off the field, um, there's a lot of things to like about Logan Lacey, and I'd be surprised if he didn't get his name called – um, somewhat in that Salvatore range of, you know, 8th to 10th round, maybe a little later. But, you know, I think that's a guy that, that teams would like to have in their, you know, in their um, development. Did you touch on Reese Albert too? Oh, I just, you know, that's one that I, I don't really know about greatly. But, you know, Reese, I mean, he's graduated. Um, you know, he's gone through so much here. You know, obviously I think, you know, he would love to play here. But, you know, that – it comes down to leverage what you can get if you come back. I mean, Reese would be a fifth-year senior. Um, you know, not a ton of leverage for him to go and sign after that. I think he may be a guy that signs undrafted and, you know, gets the money he can and, you know, get healthy with the, with the pro team and rehab with the pro team. Um, I'm not saying he's for sure gone, but, um, you know, that's another guy I wouldn't bank on, on being back just because – you know, he is graduated and, you know, a lot of these guys are graduated and a lot of these guys don't have leverage because of that, you know, that only five round draft last year. Who's a, who's a catcher for Florida State next year? I mean, Matthew Nelson doesn't just leave the void at the plate, but behind the dish, he was really dang good defensively. Yeah. So Bass Jimenez was out this entire season with um, a pretty bad arm injury. Um, you know, he suffered that early in spring. Uh, you know, Baz was, somebody that I kind of raved about in fall and I, I just enjoyed watching him play from the moment, you know, we saw him on the field in fall just really toolsy, extremely high upside kid on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, he recently just started hitting again about two weeks ago, uh, just starting his, you know, he's been in a rehab process, but he's just now starting to get back into baseball motions and throwing and hitting. Um, you know, if Baz is healthy, I think he's the guy for you behind the plate. Um, just presents a lot of options you know it's it's you know you don't love that he didn't get to have a year of development you know going through the actions but he got to watch Nelly every day and he got to watch how he works every day um, I think I think that's probably going to be your answer there they also have a couple of recruits coming in that um, could be good pretty good and you know Colton Vincent will probably be back as well um, you know as another option but um you know, Satchel Norman's another guy, um, a recruit coming in that could, you know, he's really good defensively behind the plate uh, and a pretty good leader on the, on the field as well and, you know, you know, commands a pitching staff pretty well. So that's another name. But um, Bassamenez will give you the most upside there if he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, who are some names that are coming in next season from the, from the recruiting class that could be instant impact um, and, and guys who you might want to keep an eye on in the draft to hopefully that the, uh, the, pro, the pro level doesn't steal them away from campus? Yeah, so there's there's a few names for sure that you need to watch in the draft, I think. And, um, you know, the top four names to look for are probably um, Edwin Arroyo, shortstop. Jackson Bowmeister is a pitcher. Um, James Tibbs is an outfielder from Georgia. And Mitchell Bratz, a, a pitcher from Canada. Um, those are probably the top four names draft-wise that could go if they wanted to. Um, you know, Edwin would probably be, you know, probably be a – 
you know, really in the in the mix for you for your day one shortstop if he made it to campus. Switch hitter, pop in the bat, athletic, big arm across the infield, does a lot of things well. You know, could be a five star guy. I mean, not five star, five tool player. Um, you know, a true switch hitter. Uh, been doing it since he was little. Um, you know, really talented kid and exciting to watch. And you know, you know he he wears a Florida State logo on his helmet. And he has been in travel ball for a couple of years. So you know, it, you don't want to rule out that kid coming to campus. Um, uh, Jackson, like I said, um, Jackson is just, I mean, it's as natural as it comes on the mound. He also catches a bit, you know, hits a little bit, but the upside's on the mound, um, 92-94 with ease, basically. Um, also has pitch ability. He's a kid that you can count on to pound the strike zone. Um, you know, Tibbs, I think, would be a day-one starter in your outfield if he got here. You know, a guy that would definitely hit double-digit home runs in Dick Hauser and sort of a power-speed combo. <laughs> Expect him to be a corner outfield guy. Uh, he's a guy that I think you know would probably be one of your power, power, you know top power bats next year if he got here. Um, you know, really excited to see if he gets here, and you know he's a kid that you know is looking forward to you know playing with a couple of these other Georgia commits that are coming here. Um, you know, Bratz is you know a kid that's you know out of Canada hasn't been able to play much lately because of you know you know Canada hasn't really opened up uh, their their sports yet. Uh, for high school kids and you know he's in that MLB draft league right now to get some action and definitely some scouts seeing him there but I think Florida State you know still has a chance to get him on campus and see what he does Uh, a couple other names just to think about you know Mays White is an infielder um, really athletic kid really like what he can do what he can present to FSU Um, Jaime Ferrer has always been a kid that can produce at the plate and always has shown some hard contact at events I've been at, you know, catcher and could also play the outfield when he gets here. And then, you know, one other is, you know, Trayton Rank is, I think, sort of the leader of that recruiting class and the kid that, you know, brings everybody together. And um, he's a guy that can play all nine positions. Um, so like I said before, he would bring that really the versatile, um, you know, he I know he is coming to campus. Um, you know, I've talked to him a bit and he's excited to get here and lead these kids and, uh, you know, believe it's, Next week, or I want to say this week, that summer sea starts and kids are going to be coming onto campus and getting used to campus and, you know, starting to get into that development phase with Florida State's coaching staff. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see what these kids can do. I'm excited about this class. It's loaded with athleticism and it's loaded with some high upside kids. Georgia kids have, have been pretty good for Florida State in the past. I mean, you can go down from Buster Posey to um, – Obviously, to Taylor Walls, a South Georgia kid who, who just hit his first career home run in the MLB the other day. Shout out to the, to Walls and his family. Um, yeah, James Ramsey is a Georgia kid who, who panned out for FSU. The, Georgia, the state of Georgia produces some ballers, and, and those kids love baseball. Like that's, So that, that could be really exciting. To, um, maybe Florida State's next star um, is in that list that, that Brett just uh, mentioned. Um, Brett, anything else you want to touch on about you know going forward for this Florida State team? Um, things that you're expecting to see, that you're hopeful to see, um, any other news and notes that, that you think uh, the listeners would be um, interested in knowing? I just think this this team is is, is going to be pretty opposite to what it was this year. Um, next year, I think it's going to be pretty, you know, athleticism reliant instead of power reliant. And I think that's just going to have to be what they are, and they're going to have to put the ball in play. Um, it's going to be a really young team, but it's going to be a team with a whole heck of a lot of pitching. Um, I, I've already started thinking about the pitching and it's just really fun to think about. I mean, you know, you're going to get your Friday and Saturday guys back. Um, 
Carson Montgomery has the chance to be one of the best Sun. I mean, the best Sunday starter in the country. If, if he's there, um, I mean, Carson struggled this year, but with his talent, I, I can promise you at some point he's going to put it all together. Um, you know, him and belly, I think we'll figure something out over the course of, of this off season. And, um, you know, if he gets it into gear, I mean, like you said, sometimes it's just really fun to watch. And, um, you, know, you also get Crowell back, you're getting Dunn back, you're getting Brandon Walker back. Um, at some point, you're probably going to get Doug Kirkland back. Um, and you add on a bunch of arms as well. You know, maybe you get Jonas Calaro back. Maybe you get Davis Hare back as well. Um, those are a couple guys that, you know, are maybe coming back and, you know, could be drafted, could sign undrafted if they wanted. But, um, I mean, the, the staff, I mean, you've got to look at it and say, there's real potential for it to be the best pitching staff in the entire country next year. And, you know, you're losing a lot of your lineup. But you look at that, and it's hard not to be excited about what Florida State could be next year if they do get more athleticism and are able to make things happen more outside of the home run and, you know, still get the home run a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, that, that pitching staff, it, it's got to excite you. And, um, yeah, I'm just – I'm excited to, you know, get some new kids in here, I think, and see what Meat can do with some more athleticism. You want to chat a little bit about Super Regionals? Yes. Could do a could do okay. a quick pick for those who are college baseball diehards and not just necessarily um, Florida State baseball fans. Uh, let's start in Fayetteville real quick. Arkansas, NC State. Uh, who are you taking? Seems I'm kind a, of. I'm gonna take Arkansas, but I would not three, be huh? surprised if NC State came out of there. I'm gonna go in three Arkansas, but it's gonna be close. I just it's you know that Kevin Cops factor. They're gonna call it Cops a lot. And, and NC State's got as good of a lineup as anybody, but Cops is – I mean, it's the Cops. Yeah, Nebraska, though, really pushed Arkansas. I mean, they really pushed Arkansas um, to the brink. All right, uh, how about Austin? Uh, South Florida, stunning the Gainesville Regional, um, winning that one. They play at Texas. Yeah, I mean, obviously USF's got something going on right now, but they basically got the easiest draw in the country going to Gainesville. Getting Florida and Miami bounced out real quick. Um, but I'm going to take Texas there. All right, I'm taking South Florida. I have no reasons. There's, there's no analysis. It's gutsy. It's just gutsy. I just, dude, teams make Omaha. It's just like one or two teams every year that you're like, how in the heck did you get here? And you know what? The green and gold looks kind of cool right now on my how screen. Many, how many touchdowns did Kevin O'Sullivan's team give up? <laughs> Nearly three. <laughs> three, yeah, three. If you count them, uh, just six-point touch. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Lubbock. This one should be pretty good. Uh, Texas Tech, Stanford. I honestly don't know much about either of those teams. But I'm just going to take Texas Tech because it's in Lubbock. That should be a fun environment. And Stanford typically has not done well away from home um, for Super Regionals. I think most FSU fans remember uh, two spankings that FSU put on uh, Stanford in 2012 uh, in Tallahassee. Mark Appel. <laughs> the legend of Mark Appel. Uh, Starkville. This one's going to be really fun. Um, the new dude will be bouncing 15,000 people. Mississippi State hosting Link Jarrett's Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw, but Notre Dame is pissed off. They weren't a top eight team. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I'm with you. I'm going Irish. Um, Tucson, Ole Miss, Arizona. It's tough. I think I'm going to go Ole Miss. Uh, we saw their hitters. I think you take one game with Nikhazy and you patch it together with the rest, uh, and they, they outslug uh, Arizona. All right, I'll take Arizona. Ole Miss was not very good away from home this season. They were excellent at home. Um, and they honestly didn't really impress me in this regional. Like, nothing about them was fantastic. Uh, I thought Nikhazy was fantastic. 
Um, but I'll take Arizona. They play in a big ballpark. I think it's like 385, 390 to the power alleys out there. And Arizona really knows how to play its home ballpark. Um, is it like high? I think it's high Corbett Field, maybe. I, I think that's right. I might be wrong, though. Um, I'll take Zona. Experience in making Omaha. Uh, Ole Miss does not know how to make Omaha that often. Um, it's just not their thing. They've done it once, I think, under Bianco. So I'll take Arizona playing at home. All right, UVA and DBU, not not Florida State, DBU, uh, Dallas Baptist in the baseball world. Give me uh, UVA in me some of, in some of those dipping dots from Stephen Shook. However you say that. Shock. Like I'm cheering for UVA the rest of the way just because of that kid. Virginia's got serious mojo right now. Um, yeah. They walked off well, Old Dominion. That too. was a heck of a region. By their starting pitcher who hadn't pitched all year. I love it. Ortiz, good work. I'll take UVA as well. Uh, Na- yeah, Nashville, East Carolina, Vandy. Uh, I'm just going to go Vandy. Yeah, I'm Vandy. Okay. Lighter, rocker, enough said? I just don't love East Carolina. But I will say Gavin Williams will keep them in game one against rocker or whatever game he throws. That's a really good ace. Cliff Godwin's a heck of a coach, and he's done a great job there in Greenville, North Carolina for years. Would not be surprised if Godwin – this is his final series uh, as the head coach of East Carolina. He is a hot name right now, and there are some really big jobs open. So Who's keep an open? eye out for that. LSU and TCU are open. Are those two biggest right now? Believe so. And then there's always that carousel that could that could pop open because of you know other names moving on. Um, so keep an eye out on that. Uh, but by the way, Vanderbilt. Everyone made it seem like they couldn't hit. Like it was just like this elite pitching staff. I looked at their stats, and they're like 300 as a team. Yeah, and they got they're Enrique fine. <laughs> Bradfield has about 700 stolen bases. They're fine. Like, this is a really good Vanderbilt team offensively, too. Um, this one's really fun. Tennessee, LSU in Knoxville. Um, LSU has that last run thing going that Florida State had for, for Mike Martin. They're doing it for Paul Maneri. Who you got? I'm going to take Drew Gilbert hitting balls about 800 feet to the moon and tossing his bat about 1,000 feet. So um, they're riding a high off of that. I think I'm going to take Tennessee pretty easily in this. All right. I am taking LSU. I just – there's something to be said about teams playing for their coach, um, and LSU's got something going. I think Oregon's a really good baseball team that they, they took down. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Tigers. But all right, so that's – you have a national championship pick? You go in Arkansas, or, or uh, it's not as automatic as it once was? It's tough. It's tough to think about. I have to look at the whole bracket. I think UVA – has a chance to go in there and do some damage. I'm not saying they're going to win it all, but I think UVA could get pretty deep if they get past DBU. Um, it's hard to take anybody besides Arkansas. It really is. I'm going to go Vandy right now. I still just think, to me, they have the least question marks. Um, Arkansas is right there too, but, heck, man, Arkansas might lose its super regional to NC State. It's going to be interesting. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. ACC. And I just have a lot of questions about Arkansas after Wicklander as a starting pitcher. Um, But, yeah, I guess we'll see. But, all right, man, anything else you want to touch on before we uh, wrap things up? Go vote for Matthew Nelson, Golden Spikes, 25 times a day. Yeah, please do. I've already done that three times, 75 total votes, I think. You do it on all your devices? They just make it really easy to, like, log in with a different browser and just just mash your thumb 25 times. Mm -hmm. So It works really well. Hey, we got him on that. We got him on that semifinalist. <laughs> now we got to get him onto the finalist list. Apparently, uh, Nelly told uh, Ryan Kelly of WCTV Sports um, to to give me some uh, give me uh, give me a tough time 
for making him cry on that post game uh, presser. So uh, I just want to apologize. A, such a bad person. No, no, I, I didn't make him cry. I asked him an emotional question. Um, so I apologize uh, to the Nelson family if 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 that was bad. I think he appreciated that. I think he needed the moment to be able to kind of pour his heart out. So Tom Rinaldi was activated. As good of an answer he gets right there, by the way. It was amazing. I, I think you and I both were emotional watching it. It's just... I was trying to make eye contact on Zoom, but I kept looking away <laughs> because I thought I might cry. <laughs> I was like, just kill your video, man. I'm vibes, not, I'm vibes were great in Oxford on Sunday night. <laughs> uh, cool to see, by the way, Nelly and uh, T-Mart out supporting the softball team. That was awesome. Um, from them. That just shows you just how much they love Florida State. Like, they, they bleed garden and gold. Yeah, those two guys. I mean, they do. I mean, in Charlotte, they were at almost every game that they weren't playing in in the ACC tournament. I mean, those dudes just care, and they they love baseball, and they love Florida State. And, you know, Mel- Nelly said that after that game. And, I mean, what they drive? What is that, a 14-hour drive, middle of the night? Um, yeah, that's – I mean, have fun doing that. I'm not going to do that, but you have fun doing that. Yeah, and uh, last thing I want to say is thank you guys. Uh, for listening to us all season. Um, we've gotten a, a lot of great comments, a ton of reviews. I think we're above 60 five-star reviews on, on iTunes. And if you could do us the favor, if you do enjoy this podcast and, and you listen week to week, uh, please do uh, think about giving us five stars on, on Apple or, or I don't know if you can rate on Spotify. I don't have Spotify, but um, leave us a review as well. Please ask us questions if you have any. We're going to plan to do a podcast um, pretty soon after the draft in a couple of weeks and, and update you on maybe some summer ball from Florida State and, and what some guys are doing. There might be some Team USA action. There might be some Cape Cod action. Um, Brett, I know you'll be covering, uh, remind me of the team. Katuit. Katuit. Um, and hopefully there are some Seminoles on there that you might be able to cover as well. But um, that's to be announced, and um, we'll hopefully have some summer ball news and um, some M- uh, MLB draft news as well for you in another podcast soon. So leave us a question. Uh, tweet at us. Uh, you have our emails, um, and uh, again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. 15,000 listens um, this season is incredible for year one, and, and we only hope to make this thing better as we go forward. So until we talk to you again very soon, Brett Nevitt, Aria Masudi, Sunday Golds, we're out.